Alright, here we are back again. Didactic Mind, episode 52. Surrender is not a strategy. Very warm welcome, as always, to all of my longtime readers, all of my SoundCloud subscribers. Always a pleasure to be with you. Many thanks, as always, for tuning in. If you are new, please make sure you like, subscribe, and review. Uh, add your comments below uh, in either on the blog or well, site, really, now, uh, or uh, on SoundCloud itself, and uh, let me know what you think. Um, this one's kind of a, a special podcast, actually, because it turns out I have been uh, doing this for a full year now, over a year, in fact. Um, the very first episode of Didactic Mind was uploaded on October 20th, 2019, and it is now October 25th. Uh, so technically, I suppose, you know, last week's episode 51 was the actual really for real one-year celebration. You could sort of say that, uh, but given that it's a leap year and, uh, you know, 366 days, uh, you know what? Let's just open up a spreadsheet and I'm, look. I'm a geek. Uh, this is this is the, the the sort of stuff that I do. So, um, if you were to look at uh, how many days it's been, uh, or how many days it would be, October twenty fifth, twentieth, twenty nineteen, goes that plus three hundred sixty six. So, yeah, actually, October twentieth, twenty twenty is exactly three hundred sixty six days later. Um, anyway, since it happened this past week. Uh, October 20th was this week, and today is the 25th. This is basically the one-year celebration of this podcast. Um, and that is to say, uh, it's been one year that I've been on SoundCloud. Now, I've got, I think, one year to go on my subscription. And, you know, very, very uh, much in advance, warning to anybody listening and uh, anybody subscribing, uh, after one year, I'll be moving off of SoundCloud. Why? Because SoundCloud backs the Marxist-inspired uh, and Marxist-influenced and openly, avowedly Marxist, in fact, uh, Black Lives Matter movement. And I will not support and will not give money to an organization that supports something so disciplic, something so uh, anti-civilizational, something that is so avowedly evil. Um, and I am not going to support something that is so openly racist, either. Uh, not because racism is a sin, because it's not. Uh, I am a Christian, and if you, don't, if you don't believe me on that subject, go find a Bible. Any version will do, except the Schofield Bible, because that is openly heretical. And if you have a Schofield Bible, burn it. And I'm serious about that. Just burn the Schofield Bible, because it is uh, utterly twisted and corrupted. Uh, but if you have, you know... Just a regular Bible, NIV, ASV, RSV, NASV, uh, KJV, NKJV, or my personal favorite, ESV, English Standard Version. Open it up and read it through. And tell me where in the Bible it says that racism is a sin. You won't find it, because it's not one. So stop pretending that it is. Um, I'm sick and tired of people lecturing me about racism. I'm sick and tired of people telling me, as someone who is of mixed race, who li who has lived in seven countries, who speaks four languages, um, and who's traveled to well, at least 
15, maybe 20 countries in my lifetime, um, what it means to be tolerant and open-minded and so on and so forth. I'm sick and tired of that crap. Um, these people don't have a clue. And I'm not going to support an organization or a company that, uh, that supports these, these ideas. Uh, I've been very disappointed to see a number of, of companies and organizations and even bands that I love um, coming out in support of these people who are promoting violence, anarchy, looting, pillaging, and destruction in the streets of America and around the world. And you know, Unleash the Archers, which is one of my favorite metal bands uh, right now, you know, they released a new album a few months ago called Abyss. Uh, no, sorry, no. Yeah, Abyss. Um, which is phenomenal. It's an absolutely amazing album. Uh, but they also then released a cover of um, The Cranberries, Zombie, uh, shortly afterwards, which was released with the proceeds going to BLM. Uh, you know, like, it just... It's so frustrating to watch because I see such a great band doing such a stupid thing. And I, I just get very angry with them. You know, I, I bought their album before they did that crap. But now I'm seriously reconsidering whether I'm ever going to buy any more of their stuff because I don't want to support an organization that supports this, this avowedly anti-civilizational movement. A um, couple of announcements. Uh, oh, well, before I get to that, as I, was, I just want to finish off that thought about SoundCloud. So this podcast will move off of SoundCloud. I'll find some other podcasting solution. It will probably be Podbean or uh, something similar uh, where I can you know, upload all my previous episodes and we'll see what happens. But really, that episode or that issue illustrates the importance of building your own platforms. If you're not doing that, you're not fighting the war. And make no mistake, we are at war. Whether you like it or not, we are at war. If you believe in the three pillars of Western civilization, which is to say Greco-Roman philosophy, Christian morality, do not waste my time with that Judeo-Christian nonsense. I'll slap you silly, and it'll be a lot of fun for me. Um, and the European nations, if you believe in these three things, then you need to be taking a stand because you're under assault from every side right now. You cannot simply say, well, I believe in these things, but, you know, there are some issues or problems with the legacy. Look, yeah, okay, fine. So what? It's still your legacy. Defend it. Otherwise, give up. Surrender. But that's not a strategy. And that's what I wanted to talk about today. Um, before I get to that, a uh, couple of points, a couple of pointers. Uh, please head over to the site, didacticmind.com, uh, head over to Support the War College, and uh, donate or you know, check out some of the affiliate links that I've got plastered all over there. Uh, you need to turn off your ad blocker for that. Um, I have deliberately kept that page as free as possible, of, or I've kept the site itself free of ads in general. It's really just that one page where you'll see stuff. Uh, make sure you head over to amazon.com via my affiliate links in the comment box and uh, on the site and shop, uh, buy some stuff because I get a commission from it. Uh, any books and any videos that I reference during this podcast will be linked below. The books will have Amazon affiliate links. So if you want to buy them, you know, whatever I read is, and if I mention it, if I take the time to mention our podcast, it's worth reading. So check it out, uh, download it, read it, 
and I think you'll enjoy it. So, uh, with respect to what I wanted to talk about today, since it is a one-year anniversary, I wanted to talk about some of the things that I have heard from men of my acquaintance, readers and listeners, and friends who I've spoken with over the last couple of months now, three or four months, I think. And I want to talk about how they inspired me to change the direction in some ways of the site and in, in terms of what I do. Um, I wrote about it in a post called The Few, The Strong, The Brave in which I basically laid out my vision for what I want Didactic Mind to become. I want it to become kind of a training ground for men. Um, I want it to become sort of like what Return of Kings was supposed to be back when Roosh uh, had that site up and running. But he could never make it work. Uh, it never, well, no, it's not, it's not that it never worked. It's just that because of all the Google blacklists and ad bannings and all the rest of it, uh, and because Roosh himself just felt under constant and tremendous pressure and just got very demoralized by all the hatred that came his way, uh, he put ROK on indefinite hiatus a couple of years ago. All the articles are still there. You can still go read them. And they're well worth reading, but they talk about red pill issues from uh, a very secular perspective. And I think that's where Roosh really understands now at least that he went wrong because these issues are necessary to talk about these issues of men's uh, problems men's men's inability to relate to the modern world men's difficulties in securing dateable women uh, marriageable women in the modern west these are things which need to be discussed. They need to be out in the open. And Roosh did us all a tremendous service by really putting out it, putting it all out there on a site that uh, really challenged a lot of conventional wisdom and brought a lot of great writers um, out into the open and uh, gave them something of a start. They could actually write about these things. Uh, my good friend Kyle Trouble, with whom I do the Trouble Tr Troublesome Truths podcast, if you're not tuned into that, go check it out. Uh, do a simple Google search or go to Podbean or check out the, the link on, on my site. And you can find um, a link to our joint podcast. We do two episodes a week. So as you can see, I'm busy creating content all the time. Uh, I have the time these days. I mean, I'm at this time, at this moment, at least semi-retired, which is kind of pathetic uh, in all honesty. But uh, that is going to change, I hope, very soon. Um, I may or may not talk about that later, but uh, let's just say that uh, there's there's some changes coming up in the next month or so, uh, which I hope will make me very, very busy again with stuff that is not just, you know, posting on the internet. Um, but that's for another time. What I, the, the reason why I brought up Return of Kings and the story about what my readers told me is because I had been talking to a number of people, um, some of them much older than me, you know, a couple of guys in their 50s, uh, one man in his 60s, uh, I mean, he's, he's a guest of mine actually, uh, episode 50, interview with Lieutenant Colonel Tom Kratman, which 
for me personally was a <clears throat> excuse me a tremendous uh, achievement for me um, because I am a huge fan of his work. I have enormous respect for Lieutenant Colonel Cratton himself and for his opinions, um, as I think you will see from you know uh, the interviews and the writings and the interactions we've had on my old blog and now on the current site. Actually, he hasn't commented recently. Uh, anyway, um, but I, I spoke with a number of these men. I, I spoke with, uh, I didn't speak with, but I interacted with the male brain, a uh, good friend, another guy who I've interviewed before. He was my very first interview on this podcast series. Uh, with Kyle as well, uh, my friend who's now living in Ukraine. And with other friends of mine who don't know anything about, you know, my other activities as didact they know me by my real name and by my you know in real life and they're living in the states right now and kind of struggling to get by and the refrain that i heard over and over and over again from them was the same i don't know how to carry on i am in i am despairing i am Reevaluating things. I don't know how to fight this anymore. I don't know if I have the strength to fight it. All of them are depressed and anxious because of everything that's going on in the in the wider world around us. Because of the coof, the kung flu, uh, the Chinese mumps, the you know General Tso's chickenpox, all of it. Because of the insane lockdowns, the the atmosphere of terror and fear and uncertainty that's surrounding us all. Um, these are. These, all of these men, every single one of them, is way better than I am. Every one. Every single one of them has accomplished more than I have in my life. Every single one of them is a good and decent man. And every single one of them is saying the same thing. They're all saying, I don't know how to fight, how to continue fighting. And I got angry. Not with them. Never with them. Not with them at all in any way. But with a world that makes it so difficult for men like these, of you know, high-quality, great men, who understand what's coming, understand how to fight it, but don't know if they have the energy to do it, don't know if they can face the, the task ahead, and are in some cases at least contemplating surrender and just giving up and checking out. And I got angry. I, I really got angry, and I, I pledged myself on uh, the site to transform it into something that would give men a positive direction, that would give them hope, that would give them a direction for towards a better future, which was what Return of Kings was always supposed to be about. It was always supposed to give men a better direction to go. Um, what the hell was that? Sound like an airplane. Uh, anyway, um, which is surprising. I don't think uh, airplanes fly this far south of the city. Anyway, uh, no big deal. By the way, in case you're wondering what I'm drinking, um, previously it was just water. Right now it's uh, very good single malt scotch. If you don't know the pleasures of very, very fine single malt, my friend, you have not lived. So come and talk to me about... Uh, which single malts are best. Oh, trust me when I say I have gone through quite a long list of them, and I know my way around good scotch 
Scottish single malls and a couple of Japanese ones as well. Uh, just saying. Uh, you wouldn't think of Japan as a place to get good single malt, but actually it's very, very good. What they make there is excellent because they use a scientific process. Anyway, um, and that brings me to the major problem with um, men's issues these days. What you typically find is advice being split into two camps, and neither of them is really pointing in the right direction. They've got, don't get me wrong, it's good that they're talking about these issues. It's good that men are discussing the problems with the modern world and are finding that they're not alone anymore, that they're not, you know, just, that they're not crazy. They're not howling at the moon and looking around wondering, where's everybody else? They don't feel alone anymore. That's good. That's wonderful. Sites like Return of Kings and a few others which perform this function, manosphere sites, if you will, are important and vital. And it's great that we have them. It's really, really crucial that we have them. But the major failing that they always have is that they are rooted in secularism. And that's not going to work, not long term. The two directions that these sites always point in are, number one, uh, pickup artistry, and number two, MGTOW. Now, for those of you who are familiar with these two fields um, of what is loosely known as the, the red pill. Um, those who aren't familiar with the concept of the red pill, well, what are you doing here? But, you know, I'll explain it very briefly. If you've ever watched The Matrix, you know the scene. It's an incredibly famous scene where um, Morpheus, you know, Lawrence Fishburne's character, presents Neo, the protagonist, with a choice. He says, take the blue pill and you'll go to sleep and you'll wake up and everything will be the same as it always was. Take the red pill and you'll wake up and you'll see the world as it truly is. And that's the choice presented to all of us. Continue sleepwalking through life. Continue living under the same safe, happy illusions. Continue living the lies that society tells you. Or take the red pill. And wake up and realize you're being programmed. You're being suppressed. You're being uh, deliberately misled. Look past the lies. Tear the veil off the world and see the liars and the hypocrites and the prince, the, the prince of this world who controls them all. Um, but you'll only really see him if you adopt a Christian worldview, and let's be very clear about that. Now, pickup artistry is one subset of the red pill. What it says is you can develop the skills necessary to attract women, you can develop the skills necessary to have uh, sex with them, and you can get very good at that. And pickup artists, for a long time, did get very good at it. If you've ever read um, The Game by Neil Strauss, it's one of the seminal works in, in, in the, in the PO, PUA world. Uh, if you've ever read Bang by Roosh, um, which is, again, a seminal work, or it used to be before he pulled it from the market. And I don't really blame him for that, but I wish he'd left it up there, simply because it would have been nice to see how he had evolved from hedonistic international jet set playboy to um, basically a guy living in poverty and quite happily so as a Christian, as a devout orthodox Christian. It would have been nice to see that evolution. So there's that set which says um, let's strip down attraction and mating and dating to its bare bones and just concentrate on the fun stuff which is you know, fornication. And that is really the right word for it. 
It's, I'm just going to call it what it is. Okay, I'm not passing judgment, I'm not condemning people. Um, it would be hypocritical for me to do so. But let's just call it what it is. Okay. The other camp, increasingly these days, is the MGTOW movement. Now, if you've never heard of MGTOW, what it means is men going their own way. It's a bit of a clumsy acronym, but it's actually been around since, oh, the 1970s. Something like that. And it's gained in popularity significantly over the last 10, 15 years or so. What it means is that basically men simply refuse to get involved with relationships. They refuse to date. They refuse to get married. They refuse to settle down. They refuse to have children. They just check out. They say, okay, you know what? Conditions are so bad right now. They're so terrible in the dating and marriage marketplaces. We're not even going to bother. We're just going to travel, have fun, date women casually, if at all, um, pursue our own interests, do what we want to do. They're basically going galt. If you've ever read Atlas Shrugged, that's what they're doing. They're going galt. Uh, highly recommend reading Atlas Shrugged, by the way. Um, the first third of the book is phenomenal. I mean, genuinely, it is phenomenal. The first one-third of Atlas, Atlas Shrugged is one of the best books I have ever read in my life. The middle third is a bit slow and dreary. The last third kind of picks up towards the end, but the characters are very wooden, and you really feel it by the time you get to the last third of the book. Uh, but the first third is... is it's, it's incredible. It, it truly is. The, the, the scene where... Dagny Taggart is Dagny and uh, Hank Reardon are on um, the, uh, the the train, whizzing along the tracks made of Reardon metal. Is uh, I mean, I read it eight years ago, more than eight years ago, and it still lives on in my memory as one of the, the greatest literary scenes I've ever read. So they're basically checking out. They're, they're saying we're not going to bother with this society anymore. Now. My problem with the PUAs, pickup artists, is very simple. These people, um, they're damaging themselves and they're damaging the women around them. And they are self-selecting. I mean, if you look at the track record of pickup artists when it comes to relationships as opposed to casual flings, their track record is abysmal. It's terrible. And you know why? Because, as I've written a number of times on the blog, if you look at my articles about Neil Strauss, uh, if you look at the articles on my site about Neil Strauss from 2017 and then a couple of years later when he got divorced, um, I basically pointed out that Neil has some major issues. And if you read a couple of his books, which I have, if you read um, The Game and then if you read uh, The Truth, which came out a few years later where he basically renounced everything that he learned as a pickup artist, what you get, what you see is a man who... Uh, really has no core. He has no, he has, he has no core set of values, no fundamental set of values that he, um, that, that define him and that, um, make him centered, that make, that, that ground him. And that is kind of a big problem. The fact that he doesn't have these values makes it very difficult for him to form lasting relationships, and that's exactly what he said in The Truth. He pointed out that 
in all of his relationships in the past, he had never really been happy uh, because he kept going for the wrong kind of woman. And then he thought he'd found the right woman. He married her. And a few years later, he got divorced and he had a kid with her. And uh, you know, again, the, the, the reason was because he just didn't have the grounding necessary to, to make it work. He didn't have that core set of values necessary to make it work properly. Um, he didn't have the center that he needed. Uh, by contrast, Richard Laruna, uh, another very famous name in the PUA community, he, go, he used to go by the uh, nom de plume of Gambler. He got married to a beautiful Russian girl named Katya. Uh, she was 24 at the time, and I think they've been married for five years now, maybe six. So he's, what, 40-something, and his wife is about 30, I think. He's been happily married since that time. Why? Because he developed uh, other interests and other strengths and relationship skills that the rest of the PUAs didn't. The MGTOW movement, on the other hand, is very different. And the MGTOW movement basically advocates surrender. They're basically saying, uh, let's just check out. Let's just not even bother fighting. The PUAs, I mean, they say let's fight on our own terms and let's just get in and get out and have fun while we're in, while we're involved, but we're not really actually going to do anything useful with ourselves. The MGTOW movement, again, the MGTOW movement can be subdivided into two more categories. There are the MGTOWs who became MGTOW because of their brutal treatment in the American or Western court system. These are the men who did what was expected of them. They got married. They had children, they supported their wives, they loved their families, they went to work, they worked hard, they saved, they, they denied themselves a lot of pleasures, a lot of fun. Um, they served their country. In many cases, they served their countries honorably. Uh, names that come to mind, you know, Big John, um, who used to be a famous YouTuber, I don't know if he still is. Uh, I never watched his videos, but he's out there on YouTube, and he you know, the way he talks, he is very, very, he comes across as very anti-woman. Um, he's actually not. He's just anti-Western woman, I think, and anti-strong, empowered woman. Terence Pop, uh, for whom I have enormous respect and uh, whose book I have read, uh, The Warrior's Way and the Soldier's Soul, well worth reading. Uh, and a couple of others. Uh, Joker from Better Bachelor. He's a great personality. He's a, he does a lot of great videos. He's a lot of fun to listen to. Um, these are all, you know, these are guys who have served their country honorably. They, these are guys who got married. These are guys who tried to make it work. They tried to be good, obedient servants of the system, and they got screwed over royally. A number of my readers and listeners are the same way. They tried to do the right thing, and they were destroyed by the system. And they got absolutely screwed over in court. Um, it is unbelievable how badly... Western courts are biased against men. It's it's unconscionable, and men are recognizing this and they're checking out. So that's one you know subgroup of MGTOWs. The other subgroup, you know, that subgroup I actually respect. Up to you know, I, I do respect them. I think that they have skin in the game, and they have demonstrated that. They've they've shown that they clearly um, tried to do what was right. And they lost. They they were treated horribly by a system that hates them. And that's not okay. That's not good. That's not right. 
But they tried. They at least put themselves on the line and they tried and they failed. And now they're saying, you know what? I'm not going to do this again. I'm not going to put ourselves through it anymore. And they've checked out. I understand that impulse. Um, on the other side, you have the MGTOWs who are much more militant. They, these guys are the ones who are just running around screaming and shouting and saying, women are horrible, Western culture is horrible, Western civilization is doomed, we're all screwed, we might as well not even bother fighting, and so on and so forth. They're very, very militant. Um, you'll notice a very distinct difference in tone between someone like Terrence Pop, uh, his producer, his, his video editor, Blake O'Kleiner, uh, is married and has a child. Um, and the two of them get along extremely well. I mean, Terrence, you know, uh, First Sergeant Pop is on, is there, you know, making videos where he basically talks about how horrible women are and uh, how awful feminism is, and he's absolutely right. And Blake is uh, in the background, you know, providing voiceover commentary and, and kind of acting as a foil for Pop. These are two very different men, but they're good guys in general. They're just good people. Um, talking about what a messed up society we have today. Uh, Terrence Pop himself, if you watch his Live from the Lair episodes, is very chill. Uh, he basically says, look, live life the way you want to, take heed from my mistakes, understand that things aren't going to get any better, this is the way it is, this is what women are like, this is not an illusion, this is, this is the truth, I'm not going to sugarcoat it for you. You know, I respect that. I have infinite respect for that. Um, and this is a guy who served three tours. He has two Purple Hearts uh, and a traumatic brain injury from uh, his last tour in Iraq. Um, this is a guy who knows what he's talking about. He's sacrificed. He's, he's put himself through hell. He came back from, from the war and his wife divorced him and uh, basically made it sound in court as though he was a brutal, you know, abusive, uh, crazy man, and that his brain injuries made him mentally unstable, and that he threatened to kill her and stuff like that, uh, it was a danger to his children because he had military training, and I was like, all this bullshit. And that, you know, so many military men have gone through this, so many military men come back from tours overseas, and they come back to shattered homes, and why does that happen? Because their wives have the power to destroy them. They have the ability and the right under courts of law, because, you know, family court operates completely differently from a regular court. Family court is basically a parallel system of law um, separate from the existing court system, the existing sort of uh, statutory court system. Family court is very different and is in desperate dire need of reform. Uh, so, he can't, these guys come back and it's no wonder that the rate of suicide among veterans is so high, the rate of homelessness is so high, because they come back and their wives take everything from them. They take their kids, they take their homes, they, 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 they just wreck their lives, ruin them forever. They take their money, they take 90% of their assets, their wealth, their income. They're left, they're, these guys are left with nothing. They're living out of their cars or they're living on the streets. I mean, what kind of a nation treats its wounded warriors, especially its wounded warriors, this way. What kind of a nation can call itself a nation and treat, its, treat its, its men who put themselves in harm's way for the rest of them like that? That's evil. That's profoundly wrong. 
that is it's disgusting how how America treats its veterans you know and this is the country that reveres its veterans it honors them this is a country that actually understands what it means to send men off to war it's it's not like other countries in the west which want to pretend that war doesn't happen that that wars are a thing of the past this is the united states of america where they understand that war is a serious problem that it's a serious occupation that it needs to be treated seriously and responds seriously when the time comes to send men off to war so when that when men like that are treated so badly then of course you know they have every right to be angry with the system and say we don't want to support this anymore we want to check out we want we you know we've had enough i completely agree right but then you've got the other crowd the what aaron clary from captain capitalism calls the virgin tower crowd the guys who have absorbed a lot of this literature and uh, and emphasis and said you know what we we just want to check out completely we're not even going to start fighting it's not like the the, the guys I'm t- i just talked about who tried and fought and sacrificed these guys don't even want to try this group is not what you want these people are not on the side of western civilization their idea of fighting is not to fight at all it's just to surrender the field now as a christian i can't support that i i can't do it and i'm saying this is somebody whose attitudes towards getting married and having children have changed radically over the last seven odd years if you look back to the very beginnings of my original blog on didax reach if you go all the way back to like 2013 you'll find um posts from april and august and december where i talk about what it's like to be at weddings and what i what i wrote about the sense of alienation that i felt the sense that i will never be part of that experience because it just doesn't seem to make sense to me i don't think i'll ever be married that's what i was saying back then and i talked about how you know i had a number of conversations with people where i was like yeah you know what i just i don't see it's i don't see the the point in taking the risk i don't understand why people take the risk it's so risky right now it's such a terrible idea to get married in this environment um and my mind has changed significantly since then and what changed it well a big part of it is faith um Christians are commanded to do two things. Either dedicate ourselves to knowing and loving the Lord as our God, as our creator, as our guide, our Lord and King, and to devote ourselves in service to him, to his will. Um or to get married, be love our women, love our children, raise good families and bring them all into service of the lord both are honorable and good choices both are ways of serving god because god commanded mankind to be fruitful and multiply and that's just the truth of it he did um he created man one man and one woman he created woman to be a helper for man he created the sexes to be complementary he created the uh the natures of man and woman so that they would complete each other he created man uh so that one of the most interesting conundrums i've ever heard came from actually the guy who guided me to christ 
And he said to me um, something that one of his friends had told him way back in college, you know, 30 odd years ago. This guy was a very brilliant mathematician. And that guy said to him, uh, his friend said to my friend, uh, listen, God created a woman so that man would not be alone. Okay, makes sense, right? Yeah, okay, makes sense. What if God created man so that God would not be alone? And that's, that's where things get really interesting. If you start unpacking that, it's like, wow, that's profound. But at any rate, God created man and woman, and man was created with certain biological impulses and desires and drives and needs, and woman was created with certain unique biological desires and drives and needs. And these two things are completely incompatible in many ways. Uh, the incompatibility stems from the fact that sperm is plentiful and eggs are expensive. Eggs are rare. So, another way to put it, sperm is cheap, eggs are expensive. Okay? What that means is that men have a deep-seated desire to spread our seed as far and wide as possible. That's where the PUA community comes in. That's, what, that's the drive that they're fulfilling. Uh, but man also has a deep-seated spiritual need. That's not just, it's, it's not just the physical and biological need we're talking about. Man also has a deep-seated spiritual need for companionship, for uh, a helper for uh, a mate, for a friend, a confidant, a lover, a, uh, a nurturer, a carer. That is the function that woman is supposed to fulfill. Woman is nurturing, caring, loving, supportive, uh, receptive, uh, receiving, to, to put it in terms of Chinese spirituality or Chinese philosophy, yin versus yang, right? Yin is the dark, it is the receiving, it is the warm, it is the comforting, it is the, uh, it is the soft, it is the maternal. Yang is the hard, it is the light, it is the penetrating, it is the strong, it is the uh, masculine, very much so. So you cannot have too much of one and too little of the other. It doesn't work like that. If you have an imbalance somewhere, a correction inevitably takes place, and it's a very unpleasant thing when that happens. The, the corrections are always very painful. Um, what we're seeing right now is in the secular community uh, of the PUAs and the MGTOWs, overcorrections in one direction or the other. Too much yang, basically. Too much of just focus on physical pleasure and don't focus on building life skills or too much on just focus on hedonistic pursuits, individualistic pursuits, don't focus on companionship and family and any of the other things that are important. Both of these come from a secular misunderstanding of the roles of men and women. Both of these come from a, an inability to appreciate why each sex was created and what is so important about having two sexes in a species like ours. Um, now, I am not trying to absolve women of blame for, all, for, for what's happened, because they are very much to blame, especially in the West. I'm saying that um, men 
you know, if you want to assign blame to women, that's for another podcast. Let's just put it that way. But I'm trying to look at how men have failed in the MGTOW movement and in other places to address this problem and to fix their own problems. The MGTOW movement is fundamentally about surrender. It is about giving up the field of battle and walking away and just refusing to fight. Um, when you look at things through a spiritual lens, that's no longer acceptable. You cannot simply say, I refuse to fight, and that's it. You know, once you've done that, you've lost the war completely. Because you fail to recognize there even is a war. And you're pretending that war isn't coming for you. That you can run away from it for as long as possible. Eventually, it always catches up. Because you can run away and run away and run away. And you, you might just, you know, you, you may well succeed um, in keeping yourself alive for a while. But sooner or later, the war will come for you. Because once you start seeing the world in terms of a cosmic interplay between a, a benevolent, loving, just creator who cannot enter this world, not, you know, not without great effort, not without, um, enormous cost, but tries to influence this world through broken tools that he uses in order to fight an eternal war against uh, an enemy who was once one of his own. Once you understand that this is the way the world is, once you understand that this is the problem of evil, this is the exact definition of how evil entered this world and why evil corrupts it. Once you understand this, the option of sitting it out and ignoring it is no longer on the table. You can't do it anymore. It's not going to happen. You cannot simply say, well, you know, I don't need to be around this anymore. I can, um, I can walk away. And I can be happy on my own. Yes, you could for a while, but you're not going to be able to outrun it for very long. Sooner or later, sooner or later, the evil always catches up. And what has happened is profoundly evil. Feminism is, at its core, a profoundly evil idea. Um, it basically comes down to the notion that uh, women are not only equal to men, but superior to them. It does not focus on women's rights and women's responsibilities. It only focuses on women's rights. It never focuses on women's responsibilities. According to feminists, women deserve all the rights, but none of the responsibilities. It's a profoundly stupid idea as well, because of that. MGTOW, on the other hand, says men have rights, and we no longer want the responsibilities. Okay, what makes you think you deserve the rights then? Those rights have to be earned. And they have to be earned through sacrifice and hard work. There's no other way around it. Now, the MGTOW crowd will always object by saying, well, you're telling people to get married. You're telling them to take huge risks. You're telling them to do this. You're telling them to do that. How can you be so stupid because the laws are so terrible? They're so misandrist. Misandry, by the way, if you don't know, misandry is the uh, flip side of misogyny. Um, go look it up. It's very much a real word. Uh, why are you telling men to get married and have children when the law says that uh, those children can be taken away, the marriage can be dissolved, women institute, instigate, you know, the majority of divorces 
Uh, No-fault divorce means that a woman can always initiate a divorce on her own. Uh, it's always his fault. That's, that's basically how no-fault divorce works. It's actually his fault divorce. And that's true. It is. That's the truth. Um, how can you say this when even Christian pastors like uh, Reverend Lawrence Shannon, who wrote the book uh, The Predatory Female, when even somebody like that is saying, don't get married, don't do this. I mean, that's directly against his ministry. How can you possibly say it's still a good idea to get married, it's still a good idea to have kids? Okay, Let's me, let me make it very clear. I have written a number of posts about the MGTOW movement on my site. Uh, one of the posts that I've written is has the exact same title as this podcast, Surrender is Not a Strategy. In it, I looked at a bunch of statistics assembled by Free Northerner, uh, another blogger from, I think he's still around, but uh, he's he assembled various stats which broke down um, divorce rates uh, by cutting through the, the, you know, the 50% or 70% divorce statistic. And he looked at it at a much deeper level. And he started unpacking it and saying, okay, what are the divorce rates for first marriages, second marriages, third marriages? Okay, first marriages fail overall at a rate of about 50%. Second marriages at a rate of about 67%, something like that. Third marriages, 76%. It is true. If you get married once and it fails, very, very, very likely you're going to repeat the mistakes in the next one and it's going to fail as well. Most second and third marriages, especially third marriages, do not end well. Okay. Uh, then look at it in terms of age at which the people involved got married. And not surprisingly, people who got married in their mid-twenties, after they'd had a bit of life experience, tended to stay together the longest. People who got married before the age of 20, they had problems. Now, that's not how it used to be. People used to get married very, very young back in the day. Um, back in my grandparents' day, my great-grandparents' day, that was the norm. Not so much anymore. Uh, look at the education levels of the people getting married. Did they both have college educations? And those tended to be pretty successful. Uh, people who have less than a high school level of education, not successful at all. Um, look at the ethnicities of the people involved. Uh, Certain ethnicities stay together much better than others. The most successful and stable combination, apparently, I don't know if this is true, but I'm told it's true, is apparently black woman, Asian man. I don't know if that's true. I'm, I, have, I have serious doubts about that. But if a black woman marries a white man, that's a much more stable pairing than a black man marrying a white woman. It's a, that is still, in turn, a much more stable pairing than a black woman and a black man. For whatever reason, black families just break apart much more frequently than white families do. Asian families tend to be much more stable um, for you know a variety of reasons. Look at religion as a common factor. People with common religions who are devout in their religion, in their faith, stay together. Divorce rates among devoutly religious people are much, much lower than in the general population, especially among devout Roman Catholics devout Orthodox Jews, and devout Evangelical Christians. That's the truth. People who are secular get divorced very easily because, let's be honest, they don't have the kind of pressures that religious folks do, and they don't have the scriptural backing for marriage. So there are all of these facts. Oh, and, and the other, the, the really big one, uh, number of sexual partners of the woman. It's, it's, it's not something women like to talk about, but it's the truth. 
Um, if a woman has had more than about five sexual partners by the time she gets married, chances are you're going to be in for a rocky ride. If she's had more than ten, um, it, there's something about... I, I, Kyle and I talked about this in the last uh, podcast episode we did a couple of weeks ago, I think, um, where we talked about what is like the optimal end count for a woman. What's the best that a man can expect today? And I basically said, and he agreed with me, that it's um, three to five. Is the best that most men can hope for. Three to five previous lovers, boyfriends, you know, um, partners, sexual partners, uh, is about the best that most guys can hope for in this day and age. And that's terrible compared to what it used to be. Still better than, you know, the vast majority of college-age girls who have been through, well, they've, they've probably been through a whole football team's worth of guys by the time they graduate, or, you know, in some cases by their first year. And that's horrifying. I mean, Imagine being a guy and finding a girl and, you know, she's basically what you're dealing with is DNA soup at that point. As disgusting as that sounds, that's the truth. So when you hear, when you, when you understand that, you realize like, yeah, I mean, the MGTOW guys may have a point. It's not worth dating these women. It's not worth marrying them. But look at the data. It's not quite as bad as you think it is. Look at the laws. Understand the laws. Yes, there are certain states where it's a terrible idea to get married. There are certain countries where it's a dreadful idea. Absolutely true. What's, what makes you think you can't move? What makes you think you can't go somewhere else? See, Aaron Clary, uh, Captain Capitalism, I've known him for a long time. I've never met him, but we've actually interacted via email for years, um, many years ago. Uh, was you know, the first time I, I, I emailed him. It was after the financial crash, and I'd read his um, his book, uh, The Decline of the uh, American Housing Market, or something like that. I forget what it's called, but that's roughly the, the, the book title. And um, he was one of the original kind of uh, proponents of MGTOW. And he has now basically said MGTOW as a movement is dead. And he doesn't want anything to be, he doesn't want anything to do with it. He has his own way of doing things. He's happy doing his own thing, but he doesn't want to be identified with these losers of the MGTOW movement. And I think he's right to say that. So he was saying, he, he wrote a, a great blog post uh, a couple of years ago called, You Can Return to the 1950s Anytime You Want, I think was the title. And in it, he basically said, if you want to go back to the way things were in the 50s, we had the nice traditional wife who stayed at home and raised the kids, and the man went to work and earned the money. You can do that. You can. You can find it. It's out there. All you have to do is be willing to make some sacrifices. And that's the thing the, the MGTOW movement doesn't want to do. They want to surrender. They don't want to fight. What does fighting mean? It means making sacrifices. It means sacrificing some of the things that you love for something else. Someone else. If you want to go back to that 1950s model, which works, it makes men happier, it makes women happier, it results in stronger families, it results in better children, it results in higher standards of living all around. What do you need to do? You need to move to a small town where everybody knows everybody else. You need to attend a church. You need to get religion. You need to be part of a community. You need to meet a nice traditional girl. You need to be a nice traditional guy yourself. You can't walk around with, you know, the big city swagger and say, and, and, and throw money around. 
you have to demonstrate character. You have to demonstrate that you are worth long-term investment. One of my readers uh, lives down in Texas, uh, Techie Dude, and um, he wrote a comment uh, a while back, a long time ago, about um, uh, girls that he knows. I'm not going to mention who they are, but girls of his acquaintance who uh, basically they know how to sift the guys who are serious from the ones who are not. The guys who are serious, they will typically stick around for more than a few dates without getting any action. They are there because they want to be there with the girl. They want to invest something in her future. The guys who just want physical pleasure, those girls spot them in a very big hurry, and they give them the boot very fast. That's the model you want to aim for. That's the kind of girl you want. You have to make yourself the kind of guy she wants. And I know that's going to sit very badly with a lot of the red pill crowd where they're going to say, no, you're, you know, you're, you're changing yourself for a woman. No, no, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying make yourself a desirable long-term investment. What do I mean by that? Make yourself independent. Make yourself strong. Make yourself free thinking. Make yourself uh, resilient. Make sure that you stand up for yourself, stand up for your opinions. Don't put on a clown show to try to attract women. Rouge talks about this all the time nowadays. He writes about how he used to have to act like a clown in his pickup days to entertain a woman in a bar. This is the thing that this is the thing that's wrong with pickup artists. They refine their skills in a very particular area, and they're really, really good at seduction. There is an art to seduction. There's a science to it. That's the truth. You can get very good at seducing women. The uh, the tools and the tricks of the trade are there. You just have to go look them up. You have to go find them. It's not that hard to do. There are a number of skills that you have to master. There are a number of ways that you can do it. But ultimately, if you're trying to get quick sex, the way to do it is by tricking women. Oh, well, no. Okay, that's wrong. I'm not. I take that back. I'm not tricking women. It's not trickery. It's basically psychological war games where you adapt to her biological realities and you understand that women think and act in certain ways because of certain biological and psychological impulses and you take advantage of those. It's not trickery. It's not, you know, fooling someone into anything. It's just a, re a cold recognition of reality, and you adapt your strategies and your desires and your mannerisms to reflect that. That's what pickup artistry is, and it is bloody effective. Even today, even in this day and age, it's still bloody effective. But that very same set of tricks self-selects for a very low class of women, the kind that goes to bars looking for cheap thrills. The kind that goes to clubs to dance and make out and go home for a drunken hookup. That's not the kind of girl you want in your life. If you want a long-term relationship, you want someone who is beyond and above all of that. You want somebody who, in all honesty, is kind of going to make you work for it. Um, who's going to require uh, some kind of investment. Who makes you push yourself in ways that you may not necessarily like, but makes you better in the process. 
And you're going to want somebody who is her own woman, who has her own ideas, um, who, who has her own goals, who is driven by in her own way, but is also kind and caring and supportive. I'm not talking about a career woman. You, sh- you, sh- you should avoid those. You should avoid women who want careers and, and nice things and, um, you know, want the fancy lifestyle without having to work for it. You should avoid women who prioritize their careers over family and, and happiness. I mean, avoid those completely. Look for the women who are good at feminine skills, who like to garden or knit or sew or paint or read or write or photograph things or, you know, love the outdoors. Women like that. Women who aren't interested in long-term careers but just want a family. They want to be homemakers. They want to be housewives. And you'll figure that out pretty quickly because they'll tell you very, very fast. They'll tell you. They're not the kinds who go to clubs every night or, you know, even a couple of times a week. They're not the kinds who dress up in high heels and tight dresses and go out looking for guys. These are the kinds who dress well. They dress demurely. They dress nicely. They dress attractively, but they don't, don't, they don't necessarily dress in a sexy way. These are the kinds of women you want to look for. Go after them. Go find the 1950s again, if that's what you want. But you're going to have to make sacrifices for it. And that's the part that the MGTOW crowd does not want to acknowledge. They don't want to make those sacrifices. And that is why their philosophy is one of abject surrender. I'm going to close off, because I'm running out of time. And I could rabbit on about this for a long, for you know, quite some more time, um, by pointing out that there are good reasons to go MGTOW and there are bad reasons. The good reasons are if you've you know been down that road before and you've been burned. The bad reasons are that you just listen to a lot of propaganda meant to demoralize you. You have to understand something, my brothers. You have to understand that there is a deliberate attempt by an immortal, psychopathic, prideful, lying enemy, an adversary, designed to make you despair, designed to make you hopeless, designed to force you to think a certain way. It's propaganda. That's what it is. It's very effective because the the best propaganda is always rooted in some form of truth. But it's just propaganda. So look past the lies. Look past the nonsense. Stop surrendering, make your stand, work in favor of Western civilization, build something, create something, create a legacy, create a family. Remember, the Christian faith only needed 12. 12 frightened, terrified men. And look at what we created. And we only ever needed two to create one new life, carry on the legacy of the previous generation. That's all we need. Twelve and two. To do two work wonders. This has been Didactic Mind, episode 52, the one-year edition, if you will. Uh, As always, please remember to like, comment, and subscribe. Uh, Make sure that you purchase stuff through my affiliate links if you want to support this channel, uh, or this podcast, if you will, and my other work. And uh, I am Didact, signing off.